This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform, multiplying authentic leaders, moving society. Adrian Grunewald, as always, Louis Grunewald, the old man, and it's time for our Leadership Masterclass. But we have a very interesting guest. Before we go there, though, visit our website, leadershipplatform.com, two Ps in the middle, one word. Every single Monday, 12 to 1, we have our Leadership Masterclass, and uh, we live in tough times. Leaders need to be enthused, energized, and in fact, as we always say, we talk about leadership fitness. So our leadership conversation today is with Nico Stain, CEO and founder. Is it founder? Co-founder. Co-founder, yes, yeah. of IoT.next. You know, these real IT sort of names. Uh, and there's lots of these sort of businesses, but this seems to be a very unique one that's going to change the world. But let's welcome Nico first. Nico, it's good to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. We're in your office, uh, offices uh, here in Centurion. We're in one of the boardrooms. You've given us a tour for the last hour. We've had a deep conversation about your business, about just where this is going. And, of course, I don't have my head around all of it yet, but the essence of it is mind-blowing. And I know that you guys are heading global. Uh, we once again have a, a – I don't mean it literally, but a Stellenbosch startup. <laughs> you don't live in Stellenbosch, do no, you? No, no. All these tech guys do seem, no, seem no. to these days. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, so I think we're lucky in catching you now. Okay, because this is going places, already places, but it's going places. And we want to find out what your business is about, uh, how it could impact the world, and then one or two leadership lessons you've learned thus far in your career. With me, of course, the old man. Welcome, Louis. Great to be here. The, the, the uh, study I've made of Dika so far really impresses me. I'm very excited uh, uh, speaking to this African with his great future. For those leaders out there that are not so tech-savvy, IoT.next, well, what does that name mean, and how did you arrive at that? <laughs> it's not like the old days of branding. These Things are different. Correct. So I really think, uh, you know, the .next is uh, sort of the embodiment of it. So IoT, obviously, Internet of Things, and the .next really just uh, talks to innovation, talks what is the next, you know, uh, part of innovation. And it really is part of our ethos, you know. So we really drive that very hard in our business. Because, uh, you know, we really encourage and, and we build on that in terms of having really smart, creative people working here and innovating. We love innovation. We love new concepts, new ideas. And I think that's what it stands for. Okay, I know this is very basic for you, but for a lot of the leaders out there that are working in banks or working in mining or working in retail, IoT is even an Internet of Things. What the heck is that? I, I've made a bit of a study. Um, beginner, but what, what is Internet of Things? So I think, you know, um, it, uh, there's been some, uh, some messaging that went out initially. And, and I think a lot of people, when they hear Internet of Things, they think it's, uh, you know, having this connected fridge and, and being able to monitor the milk inside of the fridge and, and when the milk uh, runs out, being able to tell you. Um, but I think, you know, to maybe use that as an example, um, what Internet of Things is, it's a lot more, right? So, so yes, it is a connected fridge. And if I've got the fridge connected, I can most probably understand the health of that fridge, the health of the machine, the health of the engine. Um, and before that actually breaks, I can let the manufacturer know. And on the back of that, uh, essentially the manufacturer can become predictive in terms of or proactive in terms of how he actually maintains uh, the uptime of the fridge. But now let's have a look at the milk, right? So if, I've, if I'm understanding the milk, I can see is the milk still fresh um, and uh, – you know, alert you before it actually isn't fresh. But now let's take it further. Uh, that milk comes from a farmer, right? So imagine we can now, we have 10,000 of these fridges or these businesses 
requiring milk. We can become a lot more predictable to that farmer in terms of how much milk is required, and, and part of that is obviously the logistics. Now being able to let the logistics companies know in terms of what type of resources do we require to, um, to get that actu- uh, the milk off the farm into the fridge. Um, and then you take it a step further, right? Because now, as a result next, of next, next yeah, all the time, being right? able to understand how much milk we require means how many um, you know, cattle do we potentially require, what kind of crops do we need to actually put down, how do we actually optimize that, the machinery that actually plants those uh, plants and the feed, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a connected world. It's a digital world. And we become more predictable and more productive, more so efficient. All of this is possible because of the Internet. Absolutely. Because everything can be linked to this World Wide Web, this internet place. So that's really been the fundamental shift is this pervasiveness of the network. So the fact that everything now can be connected. um, And as a result of it being connected, we now, you know, we can see things a lot better than what we used to be. How do you monitor my milk? You have a little sensor on there. Absolutely. Physically, you have to go plant Inside the carton. Yeah, so the guys are bringing out cartons um, with embedded sensor technology, which can give you that type of information. And where it costs them five cents to make a carton, it now costs them 10 cents or what to put the sensor in? Well, you know, so this is very, very interesting. I mean, we we used to talk about Moore's Law, and Moore's Law spoke around, you know, silicon chips and CPUs, uh, talking about technology, uh, you know, doubling in capacity over a two-year period and halving in price, and then it was over a year period. In sensor technology, we're seeing that happening now over a three-month, even over a month period, where you're seeing the same sensor coming out two months later with five times the, the functionality at a quarter of the price. So as this connectivity is being driven and the volumes are uh, rising, obviously the costs are coming down. Yeah, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. All right. Now, before we go to the fact that you've actually taken this Internet of Things, your example of the house, okay, my home, if I wanted to digitize it or yes. uh, put it on the Internet, yeah. um, and then the impact of, of that on everyone around me, all the, all the suppliers, supply chain into my home, yes. you've, you've industrialized it almost. You've taken Correct. it to, to corporate. But be, so before we go there, uh, just give us a, a minute for those startups now. For those big corporates, for people who want to start their own things, you didn't start with this Internet of Things business. Just a bit of your career. How did Nico end up here? So, look, I've um, from a very early age, I've really loved um, you know the excitement of entrepreneurial sort of uh, ventures. So, I got involved in in a software development firm which developed point of sale software um, uh, in about uh, 1996. Was the first time. That we, we built this business, built it up, um, and uh, you know successfully sold it actually to a JSE listed company at that point. Um, so I've really I've loved that. Uh, there was a period of time that I actually went into corporate for about four and a half years, um, and really, as much as uh, I, I did well in that environment, I really didn't enjoy it that much. So, so again, you know, when this opportunity came along in in 2013. You know, it was time, uh, and that's really where we got involved. What's the opportunity that came along at that stage? So it's actually interesting. Like all good things, we didn't really plan for it. Um, so from an IoT perspective, that wasn't even the vision. We got involved in an integration project. So somebody, um, um, a colleague kind of um, had, had um, got involved in a project, and there was a requirement to do some integration um, between a whole multitude of subsystems. 
And that really, um, at that stage, it was an opportunity for me to move out of the corporate environment, and, and it was quite an interesting project. Um, and what was really interesting about it is that all the equipment had been purchased. So with unknowingly, you know, we embarked we, on, on this uh, project, and that was really the beginning of IoT because the fundamental layer or underpin to, to uh, IoT is being able to connect um, devices and being able to get them to interoperate. So, you know, we got thrown in the deep end where this technology had already been um, purchased, but none of it was actually connected, and we needed to do that. So that was the beginning. But this industry we're in, I don't even have the word, words to explain it. You could start what you call an IT business 10, 20, 30 years ago, and, and, and surely that sort of business has had to reinvent itself every couple of years and now maybe yearly almost. So, so to what extent have you had to reinvent yourself since 2013 as a business? I can't even imagine how you've had to keep changing, changing, and the type of people you employ and the leadership you have to exert. And I, I can't even begin to imagine. And, and we're only talking three, four years? Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, I love every single moment of it. IoT.next, by the way, was only incorporated at the end of 2015. So, you know, we reasonably... Fresh, young. new, actually. Yeah, fresh and new. And I think that's symptomatic. If you look at the market currently, it really is about being able to be agile and adjust your business plan to, to market conditions. You know, I think consumers have become a lot more demanding purely because things are a lot more visible than what they were uh, historically. So historically, businesses could hide behind a lot of uh, bureaucracy. Now it's transparent because, you know, the data is there. People can see it. So from that point of view, it's not just us. I mean, literally all businesses now have to be agile. You have to be able to adapt. You have to have out-of-the-box thinking to in order to remain relevant. And we see a lot of industries are under pressure uh, because of their inability to move quickly. You know, so we see that. So, so a good example is the mobile companies. We've got the big ones here in South Africa who started and they built these giants and they printed money like crazy. They probably still do, but, but they really printed money. And, and, and then they built huge structures around data, but not data consumption, voice yes. to a large degree. And then suddenly the data industry uh, or, or uh, movement comes along and their competitors start these small structures that they then have to buy very quickly. Because now you have to compete as a massive ship against a, a quick-moving, fast a speedboat. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing that's where you find yourself is your competitors who think they got in the game before you did are massive, probably global. You've come along as a small, nimble, clever, little bit of luck in terms of how your project started. Yeah. And suddenly you've got a small business that's going to compete globally with big names. Yeah, so you make a very good point. Um, and I must tell you, we've just come back from the U.S. We did some work over there. And one of the guys asked me, you know, how are you going to compete with, and they mentioned the, the guy's name or the company's name. They've got like billions of dollars around marketing. So I said, you know, it's actually for us not that uh, complex. It's really deal by deal. You know, so the reality is, mm -hmm. you know, deal by deal, we will compete. And, um, and I think one of the biggest problems that the incumbents sit with, all of them, um, uh, is, is that structure. You know, they've, um, they're driven by ego, a lot of the, our competitors. In other words, I want to own everything. So it's, a, it's always been a culture of when you take my – I can give you a whole lot of benefit, but then you need to use my stack, my technology. And I think the world's moving away from it. It's, it's old hat. You know, we want freedom of choice. We want nimble. We want future-proof. But we don't want to be locked into one vendor. So our technology very much speaks to, first of all, interoperability. 
more importantly, retrofit, because that's another issue. So a lot of the technologies out there currently, it's great technology, but you actually have to turf all of the stuff that you've already invested in. So, so having technology that we have that allows you to retrofit and get immediate benefit from a digitization perspective, that is, I think, a, a massive uh, advantage. And I believe that large corporate incumbent ego will continue, you know, to play in our favor because, you know, we have, we, we're not bound by that. You know, we, we, uh, we're nimble, we're agile, we're at the forefront, we're using the latest tool sets and we can make a decision tomorrow, uh, today and we can actually action it tomorrow. Louis? <coughs> Nico, many of the top leaders we're involved with would, uh, would love your, your concept of bottom-up approach. It really is important to understand that uh, when people like these move in, normally you expect a tremendous uh, presentation on new equipment needed, etc. These guys are different. The other thing, though, that is unique um, is your pride in the quality of the intelligence you have of your stuff. Could you comment on that? Well, let me just first of all say this. I am seriously proudly South African, and I truly believe in the capabilities of, of people in this country. And we often talk about the skills shortage. Now, the skills shortage, in my opinion, is not as a result of us not having great people in the country. The problem is we don't retain them, right? So, so I think, you know, that for me is the key. And, and if we look at the people that we have in this business, they have been handpicked, but they're world class. They're absolutely world class, you know? Um, so, so I'm, I'm very passionate about the people that we have, the capabilities that we have within this country. And, I, and, and I think it's a massive strength. Also, what's impressed me, Adrian, um, having not experienced similar situation is the time frame of your delivery. You speak of some remarkable short turnaround times and <laughs> in practice, uh, other people turn into months and years sometimes. Yeah. We, we live in a disruptive age, right? So if you cannot execute rapidly, um, you know, you're going to get disrupted. So you have to have the ability to deploy quickly um, to avoid that disruption or to cause that disruption. So, you know, our ethos is if we can't show value in like a really short space of time, you shouldn't actually be embarking it because you could be irrelevant. You know, that technology that you see today in six to eight months potentially is irrelevant. Nico, let's, let's just remember now that your CEOs out there in general are more tech savvy than they've been, they were 10, 20 years ago, but, but generally they, the older generation, I don't know what it is again. You know, what do you call them? It's not the Y generation, the X generation. All um, so, so if you have an audience of 20 CEOs sitting in front of you right now, of large businesses, explain in simplicity how you are going to change their world. Okay. So our discussion has got nothing to do with technology, right? It's about strategy. So, so how do we actually become more competitive is a strategic discussion. It shouldn't be led by tech. So, so when we engage with, with uh, C-suite leaders, we talk about where do you want to move the business, right? What are the key drivers that move the dial, that increase relevance? What, you know, what are those key strategic levers that you actually want to pull? And then we plug in the tech. So we don't actually want to have a discussion around tech. We want to understand strategically where you actually want to move the business. You know, our technology is of such a nature that we, we can easily deploy it and, and plug those gaps, 
Um, and we often talk about the black holes in the business. So, so all of these guys are running great businesses, but there are areas in the business where it's sort of a bit of a black hole. They don't have visibility. They're not really, they know that something's potentially wrong, but, but they're not quite sure. And, and I think that's what our technology really does. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about disruption. And, and people becoming uh, more effective, et cetera, et cetera. We believe the disruption happens internally. So, so if I can start seeing my business better, I can respond to issues. I can become more proactive as opposed to reactive. Okay, now, obviously, a lot of businesses have systems that are helping them understand what's going on you know, in, in their organization. But from your side, you will come in and let everything talk to everything. Yes, so, so I don't know if that, that's how it makes sense in my simple mind. So let me liken it. You know, we all go on December holidays. We go down to this uh, beach and then we buy this thousand piece puzzle for the days where it's rainy, right? Um, and inevitably, you know, the last second last day, we, we really work hard to complete the puzzle and there's like one piece missing, right? And you, it's gone. You know, we don't know where it went to, but the reality is that flipping one piece that's missing actually spoils the entire picture, right? And I think that, talks to our technology is I'm getting data out of my my world and I'm putting it into whatever reporting tool, analytics tool, etc. But I need to actually have all of the pieces to really get the full picture and that's what our technology enables. It brings that final piece that just that's it. makes it all click. Absolutely. But, but remember Arjun, we at if you one great CEO and he said he was in a big conference overseas and, and one of the world's greatest companies were there and he asked the CEO there any advice? And the guy said to him that you must always retain the line of sight. And this is exactly what you're speaking about. No matter how cumbersome and big organization is, your first duty as a CEO is to have line of sight, know what's going on. Correct. So, I mean, that's one of our biggest problems, right, is, you know, people, you're only as good as your weakest link. And, you know, we have, we have great people in our organizations, but inevitably, you know, here and there we have, have, have weakness. And, and again, I think, you know, Business and technology and the economy is moving at such a rapid rate that in order for us to remain relevant, we need to have sight. We need to have visibility of what's actually happening there. Um, so, so, again, I think we have a lot of analog systems, people, analog systems. We need to get those into a digital uh, phase. So, yeah, a light bulb just went on for me. So I hope I can explain it in very simple terms. This week I had some serious conversations with high-level leaders about the challenge of leading with facts, the challenge of getting information that helps you see the true picture so that you can make decisions and lead. And what happens is our structures, our positions change how we act. So because you're my boss, I don't act normally in front of you. I report to you what's been reported to me all the way up the structures, but in, on every level what I'm going to say now counts. The title makes it impossible for people or very difficult to be normal and to tell you what you really need to hear. I package it. I share with you what makes me look good or I share with you what I think you want to hear. And because of that position, see, position changes people's behavior. Yeah. And, for example, we might sit here and say how pathetic a leader Zuma is or, you know, like everyone else is doing. But if he walked in this door behind me, no matter what we said, how will we act? We will immediately stand up and be very respectful of the president, won't we? He'll never know what we really spoke about him or said about him. And that's what title does. Now, because it makes us act uh, weirdly or differently, and we're not exceptionally open, that means reporting is affected all the way up the, up the structures, Nico. So whatever in information I get about what's going on underground in a mine, for example, yes. 
It's, it's based on reports that people are giving me. Yes. And, and if I have brilliant intelligence that can tell me exactly what's happening in the business, and I can then focus on my people, yes. motivating, inspiring my people, mm. as opposed to fighting with them about wrong information, and why didn't you tell me exactly what the situation was there? Well, I thought I'd deal with it before I give you the full picture, and then it caught up on me. Or do you see what I'm, what I'm saying? I've got you. I mean, there's, there's, there's a distinction here between getting the right information of the true facts and what the situation is and dealing with the people. Yeah, so I think the biggest challenge and must be the biggest shortcoming in a lot of organizations is around latency, right? So it's something happens, and there's latency Mm. in terms of that message getting to the right level within the organization. Yes. And then inevitably when it hits us, it's a crisis. Yeah. Right? So what digitization does, it's data, real time or near real time. And, and data doesn't lie, right? So if you've configured it and calibrated it correctly, that, n- that latency gets, gets shortened or in fact obviated in a lot of the cases. So it's really about being able to get that real time view in terms of where we are, as opposed to having something take place, it having to move three, three four structures, um, it gets diluted, it gets misinterpreted, it miscommunicated, and ultimately, you know, it costs us. So, so that really is, for me, the key is cutting down latency and getting the facts. And, you know, the reality is the data doesn't lie. Okay, so we say the world has moved into a, a real-time situation where we, we know what's happening in the Oscar Pistorius case right now. Yeah. Because there are journalists, they're tweeting right now, or even recording, and, and, and someone beats up on someone on, on road rage, and we see it right now. So everything is real-time in terms of news. Maybe it's high time that information for a leader in his or her business becomes real-time. Well, that's where it's going. That's where it's right? going. That's exactly where it's going. So, and the leaders that are moving quickest, they're seeing the benefit you know, earliest. So it's literally that. So taking, having, having that information at your fingertip, not having to ask, this manager who now has to ask that manager who is to get that from somebody else. Literally being able to press a button and being able to, to see what what. So you can know the push of a button, what's happening underground, three kilometers underground with the mining now, what they're blasting right now. Correct. What rock is coming that's out where right the, now. That, that's, that really is where the technology that's needs to That's where it's to. going. Yeah. So that's how you're changing the world. I hope we made that clear. We can probably talk about that for another few minutes, but we don't have all the time in the world. What's your biggest challenge thus far as a business leader? So you've got these bright people leading that you have to lead. I mean, that's not easy. I've been in these kind of businesses where you've got technically superb individuals um, passionate about what they do. Leading those type of peoples or leading lawyers or leading Mm. engineers or leading, you know, they all bring a different culture. So that's on the one one end, just running your own business, your biggest challenge. But then just in terms of the product that you're giving, getting it, what's your biggest challenge to take this thing global? Um, so let's talk about the team first of all. I think cohesiveness is the underlying. Um, is that a leadership lesson that you're learning? It's Absolutely. Me- and, and, you know, when you, when you deal with um, uh, smart, creative people, they, they're very complex, right? They think in 4D, never mind 3D. And, uh, and generally, a lot of them don't really communicate that well. So it's really about understanding and creating an environment where they can innovate, where they, um, where they can express uh, thinking, um, where we can't, we can't have hierarchy. So I cannot have uh, – Google talks about hippos. Um, you cannot have that. Just because you've been here the longest and because you've done the most projects doesn't mean that you're the only guy whose ideas count. So being able to create a platform where the youngest member of the team can challenge thinking – you know, that, um, you know, right at the top and, and being able to create that culture of free thinking, free innovation, you know, um, and, and, and 
almost being fearless because you need to. Um, look, you know, the reality is uh, the team is quite well balanced. So we have older guys that have been around for a bit longer. They have generally more of a defensive type of strategy when they're writing code as opposed to the younger guys who, I mean, it's second nature, you know, they, and they have no fear. Everything's possible, um, you know, but in, in the process, we, you obviously need to find that balance. So I think that really is the key. Um, and, and at this point, I actually can't remember the second part of the question. So if you can maybe. <laughs> we'll go there now. I mean, it's, it's just for, for our leaders to learn out there that you've got a great business here. It's doing well already. You've gone overseas. You've got verification clearly yeah. that you're going global. And you are ahead of potentially the really big boys out there, whoever they may be. Yes. Now it's about getting that team because Correct. the product can be great. The service can be great. The people can be bright. Used, but, but, but cohesiveness, unity. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me it's also uh, – it comes down to attitude, right? So you get overseas. You know, we have a bit of a mindset from a South African perspective. And, and you know, that for me is the key is, is it's in your attitude. So you get to the U.S. and you immediately think, well, you know, what could we be doing in, in, in uh-huh. South Africa, you know, that could be that innovative. And then you get in that environment and you realize, but hang on, you know, we, we aren't to something here. We actually we're kicking some serious butt. So from that perspective, I think it's got to – definitely got to do about mindset attitude having belief that what we're busy with is actually cutting edge and that it's globally competitive Um, and then i mean we have challenges i mean i think one of the biggest challenges that we have from a technology perspective and you can look there's a lot of great technology in south africa is being able to globalize it um, purely because you know geography it's a currency it's all of those type of challenges that one has to take uh, in, uh, cognizance of. But then at the same time, we have huge advantages because we've got a lower cost base. Um, you know, those type of things also uh, play into our favor. So I, th- I really think there's swings and roundabouts and you just need to think on your feet and, and um, bank, bank the positives and build on that. That was the second part of the question is from a business perspective, what's your biggest obstacle resistance to get? Uh, is that part of it? How do you go global? I mean, you could grow. Uh, you could grow. Um, you can't grow fast enough. Uh, am I right? I mean, there's the sales force. Yeah. Closing the deals out there. Correct. You can't go fast enough. Yeah. So I think you know you also you know you have to have some realism, um, a level of that, not too much, um, but you really have to kind of shoot for the stars and maybe you hit the moon. You know, I think that's kind of where we're at. Uh, certainly from our point of view, you know, there's a lot of organic growth that's happening, but it's also around strategic partnership. You know, you need to leverage the channel. You can't go and do it all, you know, yourself. So, you know, if we've got 100 or 70 guys or 100 guys working out of an office over here, let's mobilize, you know, 2,000 or 10,000 people in, in other organizations, create an ecosystem and leverage off that. So that's really the key, uh, and it's not really that difficult, I think, um, uh, it uh, it has its challenges, but I think ultimately, if you've got the right technology, you know people want to work with you. And just to end off with, uh, how long will it be before your competitors catch up on your uh, competitive advantage that you have? So what was interesting um, when I went into the Intel building now recently in Silicon Valley, um, they've got a whole lot of st- statements um, on, on on the wall, and one of it was, you know, to stay ahead of innovation, you need to lead it. And I think because because you then get visibility in terms of where that needs to be. So, I, you know, in terms of where we are, you know, we need to continue to innovate. So we're ahead of the pack at the moment. What we're certainly not now doing is, you know, bedding down and, and sort of just staying where we are. 
it's, it's the next level. So it's now into machine learning. It's into AI. We believe the edge is going to eat the cloud. You know? So it's peer-to-peer communication at the edge. So, so it really is taking what we have, innovating on that, but more importantly, also bringing new ideas into the pack. And, and if we continue on the basis that we do, then I think um, mm. we're a moving target. So, uh, it's going to consume you, can it not? I mean, the, the, this fast-changing world can <laughs> absolutely consume you and your life and everything. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, um, we have a, a cell group, um, a business cell group, um, and we had it this morning, and we were talking about, you know, exactly that, you know, that you need to bring balance into your life. And fortunately, at a spiritual level, you know, we work very closely with God in this, uh, in this actual organization. And, and I think ultimately, you know, um, I think the bigger purpose in life is that you don't achieve success and destroy yourself in the process. So I think it is finding that balance and achieving what you need to achieve. But, you know, if you've lost yourself in the process, what's the point? So, um, so maybe we don't get to dominate every single country in the world. Um, but, you know, let's keep some sanity. Let's keep family. Let's keep children, you know, and, and, and let's, you know, live a meaningful life. Nico Stein, CEO and co-founder of IoT.next. Watch them closely. Good to have you here with us. We wish you well on this journey. Another South African business that's going places, and we, we do that a lot. You know, we're at the tip end of Africa. We sometimes think we can, uh, you know, everyone else must bring what they have to us, but we can take what we have to them. And uh, I like your confidence. We can show the world. We have on many respects, haven't we? So let's keep doing that, and uh, good luck, man. We'll, we'll keep a tab on how you're doing. Thank you very much, Adrian. I think just as a closing statement is um, constraint is a friend of innovation. And a lot of the edge that we have in terms of what we've built has been because of some of the constraints that we've lived with. So we mustn't normally, you you know, we shouldn't see that as a disadvantage. In a lot of cases, it actually makes us more resilient and more resourceful. So, but thank you very much. Wise words. Louis, 10 seconds. Anything you want to say as we close off? No, I just love the spirit of what uh, Nico has brought to discussion and to leadership in general and I'm looking forward to the future with them next up business masterclass stay with us this is cliffcentral.com